Good morning. Uh, I make no apologies for wearing this jumper. It's the last time I'm going to get this year, and for another 11 months. So uh, let me just get to the passage. Um, so I felt very warmly welcomed here this morning, and it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I apologize. I've had a head cold this past week, and hopefully I won't start coughing. Uh, but, and also, hopefully, my voice will uh, be clear. Can everyone hear me okay? Great. Okay, good. Uh, it also means that this message will be a bit shorter than the others I've brought to you before, um, and that can, be only, that can only be a good thing, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, please do excuse me if I end up reading most of my notes because I was adding some things this morning. Um, God always speaks to us, I think, and, and he was speaking to me this morning, so I, I added a few things. Um, uh, we have three parts to this message this morning. Um, I wasn't sure. I thought I was going to read... Uh, the passage during my message, but I think I'll read it now. Um, and then I'd like to ask some questions to get you pondering thinking. Secondly, I'd like to then look at the selected verses for today. That's Hebrews 2, 10 to 18. And then lastly, I want to give Hebrews an overview to see it, how, how it might relate to us. So I'm actually going to be reading from the New... Yes, New Living Translation. Um, So it's going to sort of differ slightly from that. So verse 10 of Hebrews 2. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory... And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, this is verse 13, I will put my trust in him, that is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Verse 16, we also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And lastly, verse 18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. 
So, yeah, so I'd like to uh, start by uh, asking a question. Before I do, let me just say, feel free to met, let your mind wander after I've asked the various questions. Um, sometimes we come to church and, oh, I've got, I've got to listen, I've got to listen. No, feel free, feel free to drift off. Um, but, you know, hopefully I'll draw you back in at the right places. So my first question is, um, if we could just go to the PowerPoint, that'd be great. Um, yeah. My first question is, what has your past year been like? Can you think back over the last 12 months and reflect on what was good, what was not so good? Perhaps ask yourself, what, God, what might have God been saying to me over the past year? To be honest, uh, I've had a, a difficult year of ups and downs. Uh, earlier this year, as an artist, I, I wanted to capture some of the seriousness and some of the questioning that I was going through in a self-portrait. And I, I wanted to do that reminiscent of Vincent van Gogh's style. And here it is. And it's not, it's not a... a, a a joyous picture. It shows maybe angst in my face, shows pondering, shows serious thought. Part of my questioning was what was the point of doing art at all? And it led me to discovering that there were people out there who called themselves prophetic artists. I wanted to find out more so I ended up booking myself on a prophetic Christian art retreat in Wales. It happened to follow the week after our family summer holiday in Devon and Dorset. But just before we went on that family holiday, I experienced for the first time severe anxiety. It was uh, my, my, my stomach core was in knots almost permanently. I, I think I was having an anxiety attack. Um, to the point uh, that I thought I was perhaps having a nervous breakdown. But fortunately, God was uh, wonderful, and I met with a friend who helped me uh, just before we went, and the anxiety left me as we went into a holiday, and I was totally refreshed by the end of it, ready for the prophetic art retreat, a Christian retreat that I went on. And that week away, the, the retreat, uh, I was blessed hugely, enthused greatly, um, and I came away with a confidence that I've, I've not had before. Um, I found that I had a calling to do art, which God could speak to others through. But... Coming back to reality, and as the year went on, I grew more and more despondent. And especially in the lead up to Christmas. And, you know, we've been thinking about Christmas today uh, a little bit uh, earlier. Um, and so that brings me to the other question What was your Christmas like? I mean, were you recharged by it? 
or maybe because of your Christmas that you've had, you are so ready for a new start. Well, this Christmas, I've really struggled. Because of some wrong choices I have made, I've gone through a low time. In November, I produced a calendar uh, of some of my graphic drawings. Um, But one of the wrong choices I made was the amount to print um, without any real outlet to sell them. And so I still have some calendars left. Another wrong choice was to go to an international prophetic art leaders' gathering at the end of November. Um, And in hindsight, perhaps it was too soon for me because I didn't really connect with the event. I felt in many ways it was a bit of a waste of time. And I just was left feeling flat afterwards. And then there were some other wrong choices I made. and, And together with these... I, I was put solidly back into into depression. At one point uh, during December, it felt as though a cloud of despair had set in over me and was just here to stay. But perhaps your Christmas was nothing like that. Perhaps your Christmas was joyful, joyous, and magical. I remember the first winter here in the UK that I had back in 2001. For the first time, the Christmas festivities made so much more sense. Back in South Africa, it was summer, the days were the longest, people were out barbecuing. But here it was cold, it was dark, the days were so short, and often the weather is so poor. And in this bleak setting, it was so wonderful to discover the passion that people had into taking a dreary time of the year and making it wonderful. I remember first seeing the lights in the streets and the decorations in people's houses and the cards, so many cards, but you just don't get them like you did in South Africa. And being introduced to new tastes of warm chestnuts and mulled wine, and Stalin. Oh, I love marzipan. It was just, it was, that first winter was just, Christmas was magical, so magical. And perhaps that's what you've had. And, 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 and maybe these lyrics sum up how wonderful your Christmas was. It's the most wonderful time of the year, with kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and fab happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for roasting, toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be legends and stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And maybe that song really encapsulates what you had, and, and you're still buzzing from it. Or maybe with a Christmas like that so high, you're now it's all over and you're just feeling a bit flat. I don't know where you're at. If I'm honest, 
this Christmas has seemed like the worst time of the year. Maybe like me, you've had a difficult Christmas and a difficult year before it. Perhaps you've had to go through tragedy and these lyrics would be far more suitable. These are from a song called December Morning and that's morning spelt M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Snow falls softly to the ground. The frozen air yields to tears. Silver bells fill the sound. It's the beginning of that time of year. And the carol sang, soothe the soul. But this tragedy has marked a new remorse. And in time, as I wake, a sad new memory is placed. 2 a.m. on Christmas Eve, I rejoice with an- angels as I grieve. Sorry, you rejoice with angels as I grieve. Still trumpets sound and bells ring out. This is my December morning. Lights light up Christmas tree that briefly captivate me. But I hear wind whistle through my door like whispers aiming to taunt my soul. No one deserves to feel like this on my melancholy Christmas. This is my December morning. See, perhaps... Like me, the season has felt pointless and meaningless and the commercialness that comes with it has taken its toll on you. And you're glad it's over. You can now return to some sort of normality. So I've painted some quite different contrasts there. Perhaps you've just been somewhere in between of those two contrasts, those two extremes, And perhaps this year hasn't been much different to the last. So again, I just ask you to ponder for a moment. What has this past year and your Christmas been like for you? I appreciate I've painted a gloomy view from my perspective. Well, just to share with you, that finally, just before Christmas Eve, my mood picked up and this past week arrived and then, unfortunately, this head cold set in to take its place. But that didn't matter because Christmas Day uh, itself turned out to be one of the best days of this year for me. If we were here in Portsmouth uh, celebrating Christmas on Wednesday, you know we had a clear, bright day. And when taking the dog between the morning service and the uh, afternoon lunch, uh, the sun was at its highest, and I, I just took some moments to just stand in the warmth and just reflect. Uh, and I just thought, how wonderful it is to be alive. So we've spent some time thinking about the past and the very recent past being Christmas. Now let's change the focus to the future. Uh, what do you hope? Um, oh, this way. What do you hope? I've lost my place. Yeah. What do you hope the new year ahead will be like? Going into 2020. 2020. It it's, has a wonderful ring to it, doesn't it? It sounds quite futuristic. A bit like 2020 vision. 
as if 2020 has a clear future ahead and we'll be able to see well into the year with clarity, ready to avoid any of the potholes in the road of life ahead. Perhaps, like me, you've had the thought that, well, if I just work harder this year, coming year, if I just try harder, then maybe the year ahead will be the best to date. But the year behind is, is still sort of fresh in my mind. And I, there's no doubt that the true meaning of Christmas is probably, is probably still fresh in our minds. I'm, I'm often cut to the heart deeply that God could become human to save me. And this year has been no different. The very babe that was born in Bethlehem, Judea, over 2,000 years ago, had forever existed with God, the Father in the Godhead. And that very embryo that was supernaturally placed in a virgin womb was the one who created all the galaxies in the universe. And the very Jesus who died on the cross and rose again on the third day is the one who can deliver us from sin and shame and death. And what I got out of Christmas is how Christ relates to our humanity. Uh, at the prophetic art retreat I went to in August, I produced this picture of Christ on the cross. Let's change gears now and look at Hebrews 2, 10 to 18. See, this is one of the suggested passages for the first Sunday after Christmas. In my New Living Testament translation Bible, this passage is titled, The Son of God Became Human. And I guess only fitting that we've just come out of Christmas God becoming human in, in, babe, in our baby Jesus that we've uh, celebrated the birthday of. So this morning I'd like to share with you four things that I found comfort in, comforting to me from these verses. And then when we've done that, I'd like to look at the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Jewish Christians as a whole. Firstly, from this passage, we see Jesus is our perfect. Is that not working now? Seems to have lost connection, maybe. Thank you. Okay. We see that Jesus is our perfect prince. In the first half of verse 10, it's made very clear that there is only one creator. We see this elsewhere in scripture. Romans 11:36 says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is attended for his glory. So this prepares us that this was God's choice. And then in the second half of verse 10, it says that through his suffering as a human, God made Jesus a perfect leader, some translations. 
Now, the term leader has a wide range of meanings in the ancient world, including founder, hero, champion, prince, captain, leader, or scout. And so I picked out of the the word prince to go with the word perfect. Because, you see, the thing is, friends and family can let us down. Other humans can fail us. They'll praise you one day and they'll damn you the next. People will disappoint us. People will let us down. People will turn on us. That's our humanity. And yet, in his humanity, Jesus was flawless. That's why we can only trust in him for our salvation. No other can save except our perfect prince. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm I'm not saying look out for yourself. Trust no other one than God. No, because in our salvation, we become set apart as the family of God. In verse 11, we see that through Jesus, we are set apart and become his brothers and sisters. This is echoed in Romans 8.29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So secondly, what I got out of this is Jesus is our big brother. Not in the sense of big brother is watching over you. Oh, great. Uh, the, the government surveillance of people with listening devices and cameras in a totalitarian society. No. Uh, in the sense of an older, larger, stronger brother who is looking out for you and wanting the best for you, like a protective father role. And if we've been set apart as family, then as brothers and sisters, we need to look out for one another. The third thing I see is that Jesus is our death defeater. Verses 14 and 15, the death of Christ, the Son of God, as a, this, I'm not reading this, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, the death of Christ, the Son of God, as a sacrifice for sin, served to defeat the power of death over us. It made Satan's power to condemn us ineffective. Uh, there was a, this guy, Philo, a first century Jewish philosopher, wrote that nothing is so calculated to enslave the mind as fearing death. And here we see Christ, through his sacrificial death, set us free from having to be crippled by the idea of ourselves or others dear to us dying. And back in Romans 8, verses 1 to 2, we read, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And then fourthly, the fourth comforting point 
to me was, it was Jesus is our compassionate counselor. Verse 17, we see he's merciful to us. He's faithful to us. And before God, he's our high priest, making him, it says in verse 18, able to help us when we are being tested. And this is expanded a bit later in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16, which is, in, which is titled in my Bible, Christ is our high priest. Verse 14 of verse, chapter 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He has faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of the gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let me just say a bit about this term high priest. In the Jewish law system, there had to be a high priest. To come to God, you had to go through the priest. The high priest's role was to offer the blood of animals for the sins of the people. The problem was that these priests were just for the Jewish people. And furthermore, they weren't perfect humans and they were temporary. Others would, they would die, others would follow them. So Christ, our compassionate counsel, counselor, is now for everyone and anyone who comes to him. So the thing is, I don't, I don't know this morning if uh, you are encouraged or discouraged. I don't know if you're living in hope or living in hopelessness. I don't know if you're living in victory or living in defeat. He can meet you wherever you are, today, this morning, right now. Go to the compassionate counsellor and seek his help. And now, if you would just indulge me for a moment. Now, you might find this a bit of a stretch, but 770 years before Hebrews was written, Isaiah penned chapter 9, verse 6, which is... uh, So it is, for a child to us is born, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and not progressing, and Prince of Peace. Now, maybe I'm trying to see a connection where there is none. I'll let you be the judge. But I just felt that this jumped out at me as I read these verses. So as we come to the end of my uh, message this morning, let's just have a look at Hebrews as a whole. We're told... Uh, that this letter has, was written somewhere around 
6 to 70 AD. We don't know who the writer of the letter to the Jewish Christians was because unlike many other letters, the New Testament, letters of the New Testament, it does not begin by identifying its author or the recipients, really. But we are aware that he is talking to uh, Jewish Christians. Um, so Hebrews can be summed up as follows. A letter intended for Jewish Christians showing how Jesus Christ fulfills the promises and promises, prophecies of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, is superior to all things and all religions, and faith in him alone is enough for a victorious Christian life. For hundreds of years, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come. Some are still waiting for him to this day. You see, the setting for Hebrews was this. Some Christian, Jewish Christians were considering returning to Judaism, giving up their faith in Jesus and to return to the Old Testament laws and sacrifices. These Christians were undergoing fierce persecution, socially and physically, both from Jews and Romans. I'd like to read about setting the setting in a bit more detail from uh, my study Bible. See if you think that anything resonates in the world we are living today. As Christianity spread throughout the Mediterranean world, the first followers of Jesus faced grave challenges. The pagan society misunderstood and mistrusted both just Christians and Jews and considered them atheists because they did not believe in the Greek and Roman gods. Opposition to Christianity also rose from within traditional Judaism. Many Jews rejected Jesus as Messiah and held interpretations of the Old Testament scriptures that conflicted with those embraced by the Christian movement. Those who were converted to faith in Christ from various backgrounds often paid a high price in their jobs, family connections, friendships, and other social associations. Persecution of Christians was common. The believers who were being written to probably belonged to a group of house churches in Rome in the early 1770s AD. Rome had over a million people, including a large population of Jews. It was about 40 to 60,000 of them out of that million. Hebrews was written as an energetic and highly crafted pastoral response to the needs of struggling people. The book of Hebrews renews our perspective by pointing us to Christ. It provides light to help struggling Christians see clearly. See Jesus clearly. Uh, As it's up on the screen, it says, Hebrews is sometimes referred to as a miniature Bible. That is because it begins with God, as as Genesis 1 verse 1 does, and then it has Christ all the way through the middle, and then it ends with heavenly Jerusalem. And we see that in Revelation 21, which is the second last chapter of the Bible. The theme for the prophetic art retreat that I went on was 
your kingdom come. And on the last day of the retreat, I had an opportunity to paint on this theme. I was drawn to Revelations 21 for some reason as it talks about the new Jerusalem. Uh, And I painted this picture from... So, so Revelations 21, a 3 to 4. I painted this picture with the very hand of our intimate God wiping away my tear. And I called it every tear. See, Revelations 21, verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. Hope for the future. So, we're on the cusp of a new year. Let's look back at 2019 and see what we can learn from it. And let's look forward to 2020, not knowing exactly what is in store for us, but knowing that whatever testing or suffering we might face, we know God has promised to be with us. And we've seen how he completes it all. I would like to close by reading some of the introduction to this book of Hebrews that is found in one of my other Bibles. Hopelessness is the dark suspicion that things will get worse, not better. Whenever we see the future with more clouds, more trouble, more pain, more problems, we invite the spirit of hopelessness to invade our being and possess it. But on the other hand, if we truly see a better way for the future, the sun shines and we find hope. Even in the presence of trouble, pain, problems and darkness. At the heart of the letter to the Hebrews is Christ. The better way who brings us hope. Who can doubt that perfect heaven is better than sinful earth? Who can doubt that it is better to be forgiven than condemned? Who can doubt that to walk with Christ is better to let Satan lead us astray? The unknown writer of the Hebrews goes on to tell us just how much better Christ is. Christ offers hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Hope for forever. We can face our problems today because we face them with Jesus, our eternal hope. We have hope for tomorrow because through his blood he bought our redemption and brings us promise of life forever with him in heaven. This hope enables us to hold fast, to come to God's throne boldly in prayer and to find help in Christ in time of need. And it concludes by saying, the next time a spirit of hopelessness sweeps over you, robbing you of the joy of living, read Hebrews, and there you'll discover 
the better way in Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Let me pray. Oh, Father God, our creator, we have Christmas freshly behind us. And we thank you, we thank you, God, for sending your son to become human, to relate to us, to know what it's like to suffer, to be tested, to have to grow up in a human body, to know what it's like to work, to probably even run a family business. We don't know what happened to Joseph, but we know that Jesus was a carpenter. He probably had to deal with money and clients. He knows about working. He knows about life. He uh, suffered. He suffered on the cross for us. Father, we thank you that through Jesus, uh, through his humanity, he can identify with us and he knows what we're going through. Father, help us to turn to Christ, to turn to him when we are feeling persecuted or suffering or have problems, that he's gone through it before us, Lord, and that he will bring us out the other side alive. Father, we just look to a new year uh, and we invite you to be part of that. Help us to learn from the past. Help us, give us wisdom to change the things that we know we can and and help us to know when we, there are things we can't change. Lord, I just pray that you would go with us this week. Uh, Perhaps some people are going back to work, back to a lot of normality. Decorations are going down, Lord. I just pray that you would be in this week and this year ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.